Welcome to the Affirming Catholicism podcast. I'm your host and one of the directors of Affirming Catholicism, Jonathan McNeeny, and in this series we speak to those whose ministry and studies are being supported by the Affirming Catholicism book grants. I'm here this morning with Yinan, who's studying at the moment at Westcott. Thank you very much for being here with me. Hi, hello, Jonathan. Yeah, thank you for inviting me to come. And you were just telling me that this is the uh, final day of your Lent term, so you're just gearing up for the end of uh, college life for a little while. Is that a bit of a relief, or have you been uh, enjoying this last term? Oh yeah, I think I think yeah, it's a it's a really big relief. I think it's really busy doing lockdown and every day just sitting from the the Zoom and the screen for a really long time. So yeah, certainly it's a big relief. Yeah, has this been your first experience of uh, online study or or predominantly kind of computer screen study? Oh, not not my first time. I think yeah, I got I as I, I began the first one in. Last, last year, just at this time, because I, I, re- I really got some block study on the first week of lockdown. So mm-hmm. basically, I just learned from how to use Zoom and all kind of system from scratch. And I even just Google about how to use Zoom from YouTube and try to learn about how to use that and now become more like ordinary. Everyone knows how to use it. And yeah, just get used to it, but of course, it will, I'm still, it, it could be really easy to tire then. Yeah, of course. Mm. And how, how has it felt to you? Has it, has it been a, a kind of an acceptable alternative to, to in real life training or, or do you just long to be back in the classroom every day? I think, I think sometimes it's more efficient because we can just, just, just turn on our laptop and, connected to the internet and logging and then and sometimes we even can screw back to see what what did I miss or mm-hmm. or I think I think I think in some way the communication doesn't break out or doesn't really interrupt it entirely yeah but but I think real human content is still attractive and fascinating so but I, I might be, I might, I might be convinced by having a kind of hybrid teaching in the future. And and personally, I also learn a lot from this. So I'm originally from the Diocese of Taiwan, and so now I'm become like a, a kind of part part time lecturer. And so I can use this kind of internet technology to help my my really early model diocese to to run the course. So I think yeah, I definitely also learn from that and have some benefit from from the from the improvement of this kind of internet and technology yeah i know we at um affirming catholicism we found that we've had a lot more people turning up to events when they can turn up online rather than gather from around the country in one location uh, often in london uh, and have to make that long that long journey and um as much as i'm longing to be back together in person and be able to you know see people face to face i realize that for a lot of people it, it's working quite well and i think we've learned that throughout the church haven't we and uh, even in our parish we did a in the parish we did a study quite recently about what people had uh, gained if anything over the last year and uh, overwhelmingly the thing that people wanted to continue was the opportunity to dip in and out of services online when they weren't able to 
to make it mm. to make it in person. So it looks like it's going to be a feature of our lives from from here on out, probably. Yeah, but I think we if we can treasure this kind of the yeah the really positive side of using technology properly, and then also have the freedom and. Yeah, just enjoying the real human contact, having a cup of tea and chatting with each other in the church. I think that's still amazing. But yeah, I think the hybrid mode might be the kind of promising future for us. So what have you spent this uh, last term learning then? What's been uh, the making up the most of your reading? Oh, um, I think recently because... Um, yeah, this term I have a less lectures, and so so I have more time to do my own research. And at the moment, I'm working on a book project. So I'm writing a book about the, the, the spirituality and the politics, and and so it drove me back to re 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 review some some books I read really early before. And so, for example, recently I read um, I revisited the book. It's it's written by um, Dolores Williams and mm -hmm. she's an American womanist theologian. And, and, and the book is called um, Sisters in the Wilderness. And, and it just reminds me the kind of, yeah, when, when we are kind of in the wilderness and we, we could not go to a temple, could not go any specific place to worship God, or we feel there is some holy earth for us, but we can't go. And then, how we, we see God and then and a lot of people they are struggle financially, economically, mentally, or all kind of issue. And yeah, and then we cry and then we feel what's going on. And then I think that experience is really like, hey God, like, but in the in the Williams way to think about hey God, who is a person encounter God in wilderness. And that kind of, I, I, I feel that story is, and from that angle is really powerful. And sometimes we, we try to get away from the place we feel really oppressive. Mm -hmm. But shockingly that God sent Hagar back to the house of Sarah and Abraham, which is supposed to abuse her. And then, but, but, but God offered her more power, more energy and hope and to find the, the transformation and to find a change and all the possible change there. And I just, I, just, I just feel so empowered by that. And also recently, I also have another study group with another friend and it's, it's, it's also another Old Testament book. It's, it's written by uh, Walter Brueggemann, but it's not new because he's really productive. And, and, but yeah, it's not new, but it's old book, but I feel so good. This is it's called The Land. So he tried to think about what, uh, what's the relationship between the land and Israel. And I also feel that's also really like a key theme of the, of the Torah, of the New Testament, and about how we can think about settlement. Are we satisfied with that or are we ready to go into the wilderness? I, I just have another really like cross reading and then feel thinking about yeah how we can find the power how we can find hope love in in wilderness does it feel as if uh, some of those things have particularly come alive during this last year where a lot of us have felt like we've been in the wilderness um where 
womanist theology has come back to the fore in the wake of the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm. Um, and I suppose where even our connection uh, to the land has, has changed quite a lot. We know we're making more use of our parks and our outdoor spaces, and we're recognizing the constraints the constraints and the joys of our our local neighborhoods because we can't because we can't leave them because it feel like some parts of the scriptures has come particularly alive for you uh, because of the the difficulties we've been facing yeah yeah i think i think also that related to kind of what kind of freedom and what kind of liberation we are looking for and and of course i i fully agree and support you know, black life matters or now we are uh, about the, how how we can make women feel safe or all the vulnerable people feel safe. For example, recently, one of the really old lady in the United States in California was attacked by an anti-Asian racist um, mm. man. And and this kind of, it's, it's just vulnerable people walking in the street and how we can yeah, how we can think about that and how it's not just about we we should change, we, we, we just make appeal to the government and we feel the, the parliament have to do the thing, have to uh, have to sort the problem out. I think I think everyone has some responsibility and have some um, I, I'm thinking more about um, because another book I'm reading at the moment is from Roman William, reflect reflecting on. On, on the pandemic, and and he mentioned about in in Romans about whether we are renew our our mind, and that I feel that's also another really empowered and really powerful message about yeah we we need to renew our mind. We need it's not just about the structural change. Protecting the vulnerable is not just about we change the law. We have really got a lot of laws against hate crime and discrimination, but why is your happen. I think we need to change our mind and how we are renew that. And then I, I feel that's really just just bring that kind of Christian social responsibility together. I think it, it, it doesn't mean that we need to go for really individualist idea of our responsibility, but I'm just thinking about how we can really support each other. For example, whether we can definitely, when, we, when we've how it's not about the responsibility of the government or police. It's about how we or every each person in the street help each other feel safe. So it's more related to that kind of big community thing, even though they are stranger, I don't know who they are, but I want to commit to that. I want to I want to make other people safe. It's not just for myself. It's not just making any appeal to to the government. Of course, that's really important, but it's not enough. It's, I think it's more related to how we can build that out. And then I think Roman is really, that, that text, um, Roman reading highlight, I think really, just really inspiring. And yeah, also thinking about the power and about the freedom. And I think last year around this time in the UK or in the United States, we have all kind of the argument, argument about whether we should wear a mask and whether we feel wearing a mask would limit or restrain our freedom, our liberty. And I'm, I'm and, and, but in, in the other way, I'm also reading another text. I think it's also quite interesting connection is about uh, uh, kenosis, kenosis mm -hmm. in Philippians. 
and and I think it's not kind of self emptiness. It's about how we we can not fully deny our freedom, but it's about we 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 want to give we want to give or restrain our freedom in order to give other people their freedom, and and that kind of how the how our freedom and love can enlighten other people's love and freedom. I suppose maybe that's to do with the fact that during this pandemic time, we found that in some ways our kind of modern Western experience has been has been dashed. You know, our, our mortality has been brought back to us much more clearly. Our powerlessness in the face of these natural phenomena of, of this virus, our reliance on one another, our inability to trust in our own strength. And I guess those were a lot of the experiences of both the early church and of of Christ's disciples as a as a persecuted people. Not, not that I'm saying it's necessarily a time of persecution for us, but at least it's a a time of some of some humbling from from feeling that we had kind of everything sorted out and that we were um, ultimately powerful to realizing that we're we're quite powerless uh, in the face yeah. of in the face of this or the sense of vulnerability and mm. precariousness yeah and I, I think we usually try to defense or hide that kind of lack of self-security by means of protecting ourselves in a really like just, just try to expand ourselves and try to oppress other people to make ourselves feel safe. But I think probably for in the early Christianity, a lot of Christians, they have really have that experience. It's not, it's not, it's not a message of the kingdom of God. The blessing will be the meek. And it, it, yeah, it, it, we need to think, we need to think and reflect on that kind of our vulnerability and fragility. One of the challenges feels like how we find the ways to say these things to the to the wider world at a, at a time when people are uh, less interested in what the church has to say at all or kind of actively believe that the church ought not to have a um a privileged voice within the nation uh it's finding finding the right channels and i know you know we we've seen a lot of people who have been a lot of people within the church who've been critical of um, the national church or and the local church's responses to this um, to this last period, and, and I'm sure that you know, I'm sure that if <laughs> if you're an archbishop in the church, then there's nothing that you can do during this period that isn't going to lead to criticism from one angle or another. Um, but it, it does feel difficult to know how. I suppose, do you think it's in in the practical outworking of these ideas that we uh, that we prove them, or do you think that there is a a, a kind of more direct pedagogical opportunity for the church to, to speak uh, its understanding of, uh, of these issues into the world? Mm. I, th- I, think, I think during pandemic, we definitely see the challenge, which is the church or archbishop are not medical experts and how we can offer any useful suggestion or advice for, for our for any health issue but but i think the other way is the church is always in the community so i always see the channel is we are in the community yeah it doesn't matter whether um, uh, whether the lockdown restriction has some change and how we can try our best to comply with that in order to protect each other but also the other way is we, we see our strength we are always there and a lot of vicars living in the vicarage living in the parish they are the neighbor of 
the people. Yeah. So I think I don't know. I, I think that's a really another really powerful message, and we 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 can think about that. And I thought, and that that that's that kind of idea is from when I read uh, uh, Brookman's book, and it struck me about the leadership about um, about Israel people moving into the promised land and how they how they think about that then how they think about that property they they own and then and and brookman gave a really challenging message he said when we try to risk the land usually they would they, we will we will gain the land and when we try to protect our land we will lose it we will lose mm. it and and i think that's really <laughs> Just difficult to accept it, but but I feel so. It, it's what yeah. When 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 the Church of England become really like a national big church, and we can do a lot of things in the national level, and then we we and we try to manage that, and we forgot that we really have a community, and we really have something. We have nothing to lose. I, yeah, I think that what I mean is we have nothing to lose, and we will gain the land. When we notice that we have nothing to lose, we have, we can't do anything. Everything is fine. It's a it's a gift of God. We can do what we can do is just to serve and just respond to our calling and our vocation in the community. I think we have nothing to lose when we recognize that. I think we 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 will gain the land. It's interesting that those two ideas. I, I know the Archbishop of York when he was speaking uh, to the General Synod recently was was saying that. The kind of re- reports that it was his intention to to bring about the destruction of the parish system uh, were somewhat preemptive, and that in fact he wanted to do nothing of the sort. And he, you know, he recommitted the church to being, you know, worshiping community in the life of of every community in in the nation. And that is one of the unique features that we do have, of course, where pubs and post offices and local shops have shut. Churches, for the most part, have have remained open and alive. I like I like this idea that you just said about not having anything to lose, and of course, I imagine that for 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 many priests in the parish, I mean, I I feel this myself. It feels like there's an awful lot to lose. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I kind of I I feel like uh, probably the the radical edge I left theological college with was knocked off me pretty quickly when I arrived in the parish, and and it felt like there was a, f- a fair amount to, of, of, you know, of the little that, that we find there of, you know, this story of decreasing numbers over the last hundred years in parish churches up and down the country. But suddenly when, when that's your responsibility, it feels like there is quite a lot to lose. And suddenly it's much, much easier to take a sort of conservative line where you conserve what's, what's there and sort of gently garden it rather than a, a kind of radical line of thinking, well, what's to lose? Let's just go out and be the church and and see what happens. Uh, but again, I'm yeah. reminded of something that the uh, the Archbishop Stephen says, which is he says it it doesn't matter if everybody in the in the country stops believing uh, in God and stops worshiping, in as much as it would make the gospel no less true that there that there weren't people who were gathering together in church every Sunday. I mean, of course, we 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 long for the day when every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. But uh, the truth of, of the gospel uh, and of God is not contingent upon the fact that churches are full or empty. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, yeah, I, I probably need to clarify about that argument. From <laughs> because, because, yeah, we ha- I think for sure that the PCC and all the incumbents are really, really nervous. 
nervous about the whole financial thing and then what's going on and what we how we can sustain our church and, and yeah that's a, definitely the thing that's really important and I, I'm not I didn't reject that reality seeing that reality but what I mean is I think Brookman means is that we have nothing to lose because we know everything is from God and that's a gift mm-hmm. and that's a something from God and if we if it is a gift and we try to manipulate it, we try to control it, occupy it, we will lose it in the end. So as a, a future leader of the church and training alongside other future leaders, then are you hopeful for what the coming years hold for, for the Church of England? Yeah, I think we we will build up a kind of resilience within this. And and I think I think also another really quite strike me is about how we are going to think ourselves in in this really like postmodern or post-pandemic society and are we going to stay and just root it in somewhere stately or are we thinking we are alien resident we are sojourners we are we can move we just follow God and go anywhere to to help and to to live and to keep that connection with God everywhere. And I, I don't know, I, I just thinking about that also go back to the, the kind of how we will see the challenge in our, in our future. If we, we only focus on what we have really lost or what we can't manage it, we would. Well, thank you very much for, for taking the time to speak to us today, Yanan. And uh, we will keep you in our prayers as you come to this concluding period of your training and look forward to your ministry in the church in the future. Yeah, thank you. And hope to see you all in person soon. (laughs) Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye.